Good morning, and uh, thank you, Tommy, and the worship team for leading us in worship this morning. You know, families are a place where often older generations get to pass on some truths, get to pass on some knowledge and experience uh, to the younger generations. And so those life experiences, those things that we learn as we go through life, uh, tend to trickle down through generations. And so when we think about that, we think about the different generations that uh, we have, even in our own families. And you, I don't know, you probably can't see this very well. Uh, it didn't come out uh, quite as well as I'd hoped. But this is a wedding certificate. This is a wedding certificate from my great-grandmother, who I had the privilege to meet. I was born, uh, and she, sorry, she passed away about three months after I was born. So I, didn't, I don't remember her, uh, but we have her wedding certificate in our, uh, hanging in our bedroom. And it's not a little government-issued thing. It's a, it's a proper uh, document. And this is from uh, she, and uh, her name was Rose, and her husband was Abel, and they were married in 1897. And so I'm... Uh, I'm thrilled that I had the privilege to be with her, even if I don't remember it. I know uh, that I was. That's, that's a, a, a three generations. That was my great-grandmother. Our oldest son, Tim, got the privilege to meet his great-grandmother as well. And this is Tim when he was about six months old uh, with his grandma and she pa- or his great-grandmother, and she passed away uh, when he was about three. So I don't think he remembers her either, but... Isn't he a cute little kid? So that was Tim when he was about six months old. So we we learn these things. We learn things from our families. We have these connections to our families. Lydia's father used to say, too much of one thing is good for nothing. One of those little uh, sayings that get passed along. One of the ones in my family, and it means absolutely nothing to you, but it's it, it fits like a duck's foot in Stevensville. This is a very, very regional little uh, saying that comes from a small corner of some small towns in Ontario. And basically what it means is it fits well, uh, but it's not a compliment to those folks that uh, live in Stevensville or to the little community of Stevensville. But that's what, that's what we'd say, is it fits like a duck's foot in Stevensville. When we think about families, of course, today we think about mothers. And today is Mother's Day. If you haven't planned anything for your mother yet, uh, there's still time. Uh, don't forget about your mom today. Uh, just a, a friendly reminder here. Um, mom, great job. I'm awesome. So you can uh, take uh, give your mom credit for the awesomeness that you are. It's a good day to today on Mother's Day to recognize mothers, to uh, uh, to stop and think about uh, family connections, to think about the things that we experience in our families. It's a good day to stop and reflect on, the mother, on your mother, your grandmother, maybe your great-grandmother if you have the privilege to remember her, or perhaps the mother of your children. In some ways, we're all connected to mothers. And so we think about uh, these things on a day like today, on Mother's Day, and the things that get passed on uh, down through families from generation to generation, from mother to child, and then uh, further on down the family, uh, the family generations. 
Those things pass on to us from previous generations and we have that opportunity to learn. And when we look in the Bible, we see a passage where we read about uh, these things being passed on. And here we are in the book of 2 Timothy, and this is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1-2 to and verse 5. And the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, this is the Apostle Paul writing this letter, and he's writing this, and he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, to his disciple. And he calls him to Timothy, my dear son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ our Lord. And then skipping down a couple of verses, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. We might skip over these kind of passages as just kind of introductory words to a letter that don't really mean much. Maybe they don't connect with us much. Uh, we're kind of distant from Paul uh, and Timothy, a couple thousand years and several thousand miles distance from them. But it's still a fascinating story that sometimes we skip over. We learn about Paul, about Timothy, the relationship they have and Timothy's family. Certainly we see a closeness between Paul and Timothy. Paul calls him in this translation, my dear son. Other translations will say something like, my dearly beloved son. And that word that's translated there, my dear son, is a familiar one to us. It's in, specifically in this passage, it's the word agapatos, with the root word being agape, which is a familiar word to anybody who's been hanging around church at all for any length of time. That word agape. It's the same word we find many times in the New Testament. A word that means it's a self-sacrificing, a self-giving kind of love. A love where you're willing to do and give up anything for the other person. It's a love that's not seeking something for yourself, but seeking the best for the other person. It puts the other one, the loved one, ahead of yourself. And Paul, is. this is how he's describing Timothy. He says, this is, this is the kind of love I have for you, Timothy. And he's, he calls him his son. and He's not his biological son, but he's his son in the faith. And this is the depth of love that Paul has for Timothy. And that same word is used a number of times in the New Testament. And when we look at those, we see the kind of love that Paul has for Timothy. In Mark chapter 1, verse 11, uh, the Bible says, And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son. This is at Jesus' baptism. And this voice from heaven speaks and he says, you are my son. He's speaking about Jesus, whom I love. That same word, agape. This is the love that God the Father has for His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the kind of love that He has. We read about it in John, 6, in John chapter 3.16. That same word, for God so loved the world. God so loved the world. It's that same kind of a self-sacrificing, self-giving love that God has for the world as well. And in John 15, verse 9, 
Jesus Himself speaks to us. Or He speaks to His disciples and He says, As the Father has loved Me, so I have loved you. Now remain in My love. All that is that those three occurrences are love there are all that agape love. He says, the Father has loved Me. God the Father has loved Jesus with this agape love. Jesus loves you, loves the disciples, loves His followers with that agape love. We know about that agape love, that self-giving love that Jesus has for us. And He says, remain in My love. Remarkable uh, that Paul is saying that same kind of love that that, that God shows to Jesus and that, God, that Jesus shows to us is what Paul has with, with Timothy. And so he says to Timothy, my dear son. Then we see down in verse 5, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he's reminded of the, of the sincere faith that, that Paul sees in Timothy. So Paul, uh, he knows this, this young man, this Timothy. And he knows him very well. And he sees that this young man has faith. And he says, that faith first lived in his grandmother Lois and in his mother Eunice. We see the, the faith passing down from generation to generation from uh, grandmother to mother and then to Timothy. To Timothy, the son. And so this shows us something about the relationship that Paul had, not just with Timothy, but, but with his mother and his grandmother. Paul wasn't just concerned about Timothy, but somehow, uh, and we don't know how, but somehow uh, Paul got to know the mother and the grandmother of Timothy and what he learned about them. And we don't know all the details there, but what we learn, what we understand is that Paul heard or saw that faith in the grandmother, in the mother. And then he's now seeing that same faith in Timothy. That faith got passed on to gener- from generation to generation through the mother, in this instance, down to Timothy. Does that idea of passing on of faith from generation to generation remind you of anything? Remind you of any other passage in the Bible? Maybe it does. Maybe it reminds you of our theme verse for this month of empowering the next generation of 2 Timothy 2.2. So it's interesting, just a, a few verses later on, after Paul recounts the passing on of faith from grandmother to mother to Timothy, he says to Timothy, he speaks to Timothy directly, and he says, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. I'm sure the parallel there was not lost on Timothy when he read this. That the faith came from his grandmother to his mother to him and now Paul is saying, now I want you to do the same thing. Pass it on to some who will teach others who then can teach others. This is a similar idea here. Paul is exhorting Timothy in the passing on of faith uh, the way Timothy had experienced it in his own life, in his own family. Timothy had experienced that through his grandmother and through his mother. And we can't really see exactly how that happened, but we get a clue in Acts chapter 16, verses 1-2, to 
we get a little glimpse into family life. And we don't, we don't get a lot. Uh, apparently, it's not, uh, it, it's not a crucial thing to know. But in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 2, it says, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. This is the same Timothy, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Timothy's mother was a Jew. So she was uh, raised in the, in the Jewish faith, but she was a believer. So he, he Paul, or the Luke in writing Acts, he, he gives that uh, bit of information to us. She was a Jewish background, but she was a believer. She was a follower of Jesus. Uh, Timothy's father, on the other hand, was a, was a Greek. Timothy's mother was a Jew. Presumably, uh, the, she was a, a fairly uh, faithful Jew. She learned about Jesus. She decided to follow Him. But Timothy's mother would have known the Shema Israel, which is what we call the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4-9. to And this is basic instructions that all Jews would have known from their earliest memories. These were the basic things that Jews were taught. And, how, and they would have known this passage. Because this passage says, in part, it says, impress these commandments on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The idea here was these are things you need to be teaching your children. And I'm sure Timothy's mother would have done this. I'm sure Timothy's mother knew the Shema Israel and knew this command. This is one of the basic things that, that Jews do is they talk about it. They share the stories. And we've been singing uh, this morning about sharing stories. We sh- they would share the stories of what God had done. They, had, they would share the commandments, the things that God had asked them to do. They would share them with their kids. And they would share them as they're walking along. They would share them as they're sitting at home. They would share them when they're laying down. So at night when they're going to sleep, when they get up again in the morning, they share the stories of what God has done. Of God's faithfulness. Of the hope that we have because we have this relationship with God. These are things that, that uh, they shared with them. This is, was an important part of the Jews that they pass on their faith to those in their families. The lessons that they have learned as they've walked with God, they pass those on to their children. This is a theme that runs through the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, of remembering what God has done. Teaching about how God has been at work through and in His people. And we see this, for example, in Joshua Chapter 4, you may remember the story as the people of Israel are crossing over into the Promised Land. As they're moving across the, the Jordan River, they come to the Jordan River and the river is there. It's, it's a barrier to them. They can't cross this river. And God miraculously parts the water. As those who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant put their foot in the water, the water separates and allows the people to pass through. The whole nation passes through while the ark is in the middle of the river and the power of God is holding back the waters 
protecting His people. And when they reach, all reach the other side, the instruction is to take twelve stones. That one from each, one man from each tribe should collect a stone from the Jordan River and bring it and to set it up on the shore and set it up in their camp. And in Joshua chapter 4, it says, these stones are to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. These are stories that, that they needed to be told from generation to generation. And as you saw, as the people saw these stones sitting there, it was for people to look at those stones and say, why are those stones there? We don't know what those stones look like, but there was a pile of stones and people would see them and say, what do these stones mean? Why did you put them up? And then that was an opportunity to share the stories of what God had done. Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 takes a stone and he sets it up and he names it Ebenezer, meaning stone, which means a stone of help. And he says, thus far the Lord has helped us. Again, that reminder of what God has done to give an opportunity to share about God's faithfulness, about how He has helped us. And that's the encouragement for us too. To pass it on, to keep going, to keep the stories of God going and to keep them alive. And these were largely stories for one generation to pass on to the next. But we also see at times the, the process working the other way. Where the younger were passing on the, the faith to the older. It doesn't ha- we don't see too many occasions of this in the Bible, but it does, it does happen. And much of the teaching in life in general is from the older to the younger. But it doesn't mean that it can't go the other way. We need to make room in our faith for faith to be passed up and down the generational lines to not just say it's a one-way street, but for everybody to be teaching one another. And we see in 2 Kings chapter 22, we read about, uh, about King Josiah. He takes the throne when he is nearly eight years old. And the Bible records in the 18th year of his reign, so he's about 25 years old, he's king over the whole nation of Israel, which I'm sure included many people much older than he was. And something remarkable happened. In 2 Kings 22, verse 10 and 11, it says, God's Word says, Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And shaped and read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. For years, the book of the law had been lost. And as they're redoing the temple, they uncover this book and they read it. And they realize they found something important. And they found something that they've forgotten. The book of the law was lost or perhaps it was just put aside and forgotten. When King Josiah hears this, when he hears this book being read, he is alarmed at what he reads. And he is alarmed at how disobedient the nation of Israel has become. And he says, I have to do something about this. 
He calls the whole nation together and brings reform to the nation. Brings renewal to the nation. He strips out the idol worship. He goes through the country knocking down the, the, the high places, the places where idols were worshipped. He gets rid of the spiritists and mediums. We don't read about exactly how he did that, but I can imagine it wasn't a pleasant experience. But he gets rid of all those who were tapping into spiritual powers other than God from the nation of Israel. He brings a cleansing and a renewal. And this is a young man, age 25, that reshapes a whole nation as he becomes focused on the Word of God. Now that's a king. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, harder for young people to share and for those, for those to listen. And some of us, even some of us older ones, sometimes we have trouble speaking to the older generation. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of us have trouble speaking to our parents about significant issues? It's often difficult, isn't it? Even when you're, even when you're older and grown and have children of your own, it still can be hard to speak across those generational lines. And we see that. That Jesus Himself even encountered this in Mark chapter 6, verses 1-6. to Jesus encountered this. And people didn't really want to hear what He had to say. And people in His hometown uh, were not really believing. And He went back to His hometown and people said, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't His sisters here with us? And they took offense. At him, So even our Lord Jesus had trouble speaking across those generational lines. He was just, wasn't He just the carpenter? Don't we do that too? She's too young to carry that kind of responsibility. He doesn't have enough experience. We can't do that. We can't let them do this. There isn't enough maturity there. Come back in a few years and then maybe we'll listen. We do that too. Maybe we don't say it so clearly in our words, but we might do it in our action. But we need to let people pass it on. To give room for their faith story. The work of God in their lives to travel up and down the generational tree so we can all benefit. It doesn't always work that way. And we see even in the life of Paul and Timothy, he faced a similar kind of thing. In 1 Timothy, so this is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, Paul says to Timothy, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. First, Paul teaches Timothy to command and teach. This is pretty bold and strong. You can imagine Timothy's reaction, but they're not going to listen to me. I'm too young. So Paul cuts off that argument right before Timothy even has a chance to make it. He says, don't let anyone do that. Don't let them look down on you. Live your life in such a way that they will listen to you. But it's hard. It doesn't work that way. It's all, it can be hard to speak truths to your elders and to your families. Jesus found that out. Timothy seems to anticipate that. Or Paul anticipates Timothy will encounter that. And so, it's a challenge. But we need to share the truths about God and our faith with others even when it's hard. Even when it's hard to share with, uh, with older people, with those who are older than us, even to our elders, we can share the stories of God at work in our lives. We don't have to tell them what to do or what to, what to believe, but we can share the stories of God in our lives. 
And that's the whole purpose of the stones in Joshua chapter 4, to serve as a reminder and to cause that stories to be able to be told. Paul tells the story of his life in a number of places. And we read about them really in three times in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 9, when Paul encounters Jesus Christ, we read about that the first time. And then we read about Paul uh, telling the commander of the Roman guard and a crowd in Acts 22 the story of how God was, has been at work in his life. And then he tells King Agrippa in Caesarea in Acts chapter 26, he tells him the story again. And so we see Paul setting an example for us, as he often does, of sharing the stories of God at work in our life of, uh, and bringing others uh, into a relationship with God as we share our stories. I was just uh, thinking and remembering this week, uh, one time when we were in Zambia, I got into a taxi. I had to take a taxi somewhere. And as soon as I got in, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of a, a pretty visible minority. So the taxi driver says, oh, what are you doing here in Zambia? And so for the next half hour, I had a chance to explain to him my story. You never know when your story, when you're going to be able to share your story. But we need to take opportunities to share our stories of God's faithfulness to us, of God's work in our lives, of God uh, being real to us. And as we come here now this morning to the Lord's table here, we come and we remember Christ. And we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, Paul says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. As we come together, as we come to share the Lord's table here this morning, we come remembering the Lord's death and we are proclaiming the Lord's death. We're telling the story of Jesus Christ. We're telling the story of His coming to earth. Of His living here on earth. Of sacrificing Himself for us with that agape love and showing His love for us through the shedding of His blood and the breaking of His body for us. This is the story. This is part of the story that we can tell. And we're going to do that here this morning. If I could ask the, the servers and Deacon Henry to come and, and help. We're going to be sharing the bread and the cup. The symbols of Jesus' body broken for us and blood shed for us. We're telling the story of Jesus Christ, of the Gospel, of the good news that's here today, real for us. And so I invite all who have uh, accepted Christ as their Savior and followed Him in obedience through the waters of baptism to join with us. And if you haven't taken those steps, you're welcome just to sit and reflect on the goodness of God in your life and think about God's story and how your story has intersected uh, has been a part of God's unfolding story in the world. Deacon Henry, can you pray for us? Let's bow down and pray. Dear Lord Jesus, as we come to your table, just remind us your sacrifice. Lord, look at these two elements here on the table. Look at the favor. We see your body, your broken body, your suffering. 
we also see the punishments you endure for us. We also see your everlasting life, love for us. And also we look at the cup. We see your mercy. We see you pour out your life for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we celebrate this communion. Amen.